Today's passage is from 1 John 4, and I want to proclaim the good news to us that God's love, which originates in himself and is shown through his Son, is made complete in his people, in you, in me, in us. And we are invited and empowered to participate in this love, receiving and giving which then brings God's love to perfect completeness and drives out every trace of fear. Would you pray with me? God of love, help us to discern your still small voice today. Open us to change and growth. Give us courage that we may joyfully walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off by telling a story this morning about a four foot nine inch 83 year old woman who lives in Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> her name is Eva Moses Kaur. Not sure if you've heard of her before, but this month a documentary about her life is premiering or has premiered at Butler University. And the director of this documentary said, you know, a lot of people think that this is going to be a cute gem of a story, but this is a painful and combative and ultimately loving odyssey. See, Eva was one of the Mengele twins from the concentration camps in the Holocaust. And in 1944, her family, who were Jews in Romania, were rounded up by the Nazis and put on cattle, cattle cars and taken to Auschwitz, the concentration camp. And at the selection platform, her mother and father and two older sisters were set aside uh, and eventually sent to the gas chambers to die. And Eva and her twin sister Miriam, once they found out that she was a twin, that they were twins, they were set aside for the experiments of Dr. Joseph Mengele, who is also called the Angel of Death. Horrible, horrible things were done to Miriam and her, and her sister, Eva. And for decades after Auschwitz, Eva says that she harbored lots of bitterness for Mengele and the Nazis and what they had done. And she even helped to track down a lot of the war criminals from the Holocaust. And for decades after, um, by the time 1995 came, which was the 50th anniversary of the liberation of, of Auschwitz, she says after a period of, of struggle and soul-searching, she concluded that there was power and healing to be found in forgiving her tormentors. Sharing the cure, as she likened it, had now become the great mission of her life. And she even eventually shared a hug with a, a Nazi SS officer, which is pretty incredible. And many, many people were absolutely furious with her. How could you possibly, possibly forgive? And it was a declaration of love and forgiveness that, that just sparked tons of controversy. But she said that her decision was not about the perpetrators. She says, what I discovered for myself was life-changing. I discovered that I had the power to forgive. No one could give me that power and no one could take it away. It was all mine to use in any way I wished. She even chose to forgive Mengele. She said, and if I forgive Mengele, the worst of them, 
I might as well forgive everybody who has ever hurt me. See, real love is not this fuzzy-wuzzy, light and fluffy Hallmark card. I don't know if you guys have seen the Hallmark Channel. My parents love the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's, it's nitty and gritty and tough and strong. And I hear stories like this, and I am both deeply, deeply moved and deeply discouraged at my own inability to love. I mean, I struggle to tuck my kids in bed at night in love. And the text today is from 1 John 4, where we're again hearing about love. We hear, let us love one another. God is love. Perfect love drives out fear. If we love, God's love is made complete among us. And as, as, as I was researching, uh, I realized in these 15 verses, the word love or some form of it shows up 26 times. And in the book of 1 John, uh, it, the word love or some form of it shows up 51 times. <laughs> so I'm sensing a bit of a love theme here. Um, I mean, it's no wonder John was called the apostle of love. You know, he taught about it and talked about it all the time. I mean, probably because of all the church splits he was dealing with and the false teachers that were coming around and, you know, all the trouble that he was helping people with. So we're looking at love again, but from a different angle today. It's almost like looking at the multifaceted sides of a diamond. And I wonder if it's hard to hear stories like this about love because it feels like something none of us can really live up to. Like when the rubber hits the road, it just feels impossible. At the end of the day, when you're exhausted because your husband's been gone in Atlanta all week and you have to tug your kids in by yourself, it feels really hard. Like, why couldn't John have just said, friends, let us put up with one another. <laughs> let us tolerate each other. I mean, let's face it, loving others can be really difficult. And then there's not just loving, our, uh, loving others, but then there's loving ourselves, right? It's, it's things like fear that holds us back and pain that holds us back and, and striving that hinders us. Whether it's loving a spouse that has a completely different way of looking at life than us or a friend that doesn't seem to really have time for us anymore, loving a sibling who is constantly getting on our nerves, <laughs> or loving ourselves in the midst of those tapes of self-criticism that never seem to end. And when we reflect with any honesty, we begin to realize we are all failures when it comes to loving others. Can I get an amen? It's not just me. <laughs> okay, good, good. Uh, I know I feel like, can't we just settle for something a little bit more doable, something less, you know? This call to love doesn't feel realistic. But today, I want to proclaim the good news, that God's love, which originates in himself and is shown in his son, is made complete in his people that we are invited and empowered to participate in this love. And that love, that God's love is brought to perfect completeness and drives out every trace of fear that we have. 
So let's walk through the text and take a look. If love is central to our faith as followers of Jesus, um, in all of our failures to love, I want to share three reasons that loving others is vital, and not only vital, but possible. So I hopefully, hopefully we can see how we're empowered to love. The first is that loving others is vital and possible because of who God is. In verses 7 and 8, and again in 16, it says that God is love. So who's the most loving person you've ever known? Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's a good friend from college. But who would you define as love? I mean, few are the people that, that I would define with the word love. Ben is love. Miranda is love. Like this, eh. <laughs> I could say more about Ben, but you know, may, maybe Miranda is love. I don't know. I mean, they are loving, but the statement, Ben is love, I can attest to, can never be changed into Ben is love. For love doesn't completely characterize him. But this verse isn't saying God is loving, it's saying God is love. And it's more than just a metaphor. God is love in himself, it's his identity. It characterizes him completely. He's the source and definition of love. And that love flows from God as light radiates from the sun. It's constant. It expresses who he is. God's love is a truth more basic and reliable than the ground we walk on and the air that we breathe. It's the very essence of his being. It pervades and influences all of his attributes, all of his activities. So when he creates, he creates in love. When he rules, he rules in love. When he judges, he even judges in love. Love never is and never can be absent from his being. And we see what love looks like by looking at Jesus, just like Andy shared last week. And it's unique. We see it as we take a closer look at Jesus this love is unique. This is different. It's different from any other form of love found in our world, which is probably one of the reasons why we struggle to comprehend it. It's so unlike our human love. Our love tends to be characterized by ifs and buts and becauses. Henry Nouwen writes, the world says, yes, I love you, if you are good-looking, intelligent, wealthy, I love you if you produce much, sell much, buy much. I love you if you have a good education, a good job, good connections. The world's love is and always will be conditional. And in contrast, God's, God loves because that's the kind of being he is, period. Nothing in us prompts or causes him to love us. He loves with a mighty love that has no beginning and can have no end. Second, loving is possible because of what God has done. In verses 9 and 10, it says, this is how God loved us, or excuse me, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. See, in the ancient world outside of Christianity, it was thought uh, appropriate to only love those who 
show that they're, they're worthy of love. And this God, who is love and loved us, expressed that love by sending his son to earth, who died on a cross, rose from the dead. The resurrection is the revelation of that love to us. It's a manifestation. It models what genuine love looks like. See, the Pharisees thought that with all of their legalism, they were showing the real, real character of God. They thought God was a nitpicker and a stickler for the rules. So in their mind, that was the true heartbeat of God. So we need to line up. And then Jesus comes along, and he shows something completely different. Shows God in a whole new way. The God that he made known was and is full of grace and truth. He showed that God's laws were prompted by love. Third, loving others is possible because of who we are. In verses 7 and again in 11 and 12, uh, we see that. I want to suggest to us, friends, that the, the call to love one another is not so much a command to do something as much as it is a declaration of our identity, as who, of who we are as children of God just like Matt preached about a couple weeks ago, that it's not something so much you choose to do as much as what you choose to be. He's saying, remember, you, are, you, are, you have been born of God. You are children of God. Remember who you are. But he just doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. In verse 13, he says he's given us the spirit. He's given it to each one of us, which enables us to love which enables us to walk in our identity. Remember in the gospel text from today, it said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the Spirit helps us to love. And it's not instantly flawless or perfect, but over time, it develops and matures. The only way to love is by living in God and God in us. And as we live into that identity, we become more and more like Jesus. It says in verse 14, in, in this world we are like Jesus. Just as God is, so we are in the world. John is saying that because God lives in us, we embody God's love to the world. And that's how we participate with him. <laughs> that was an amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we participate with him. <laughs> so when his love comes alive in you, you become God's love to the world. Isn't that amazing? People long, long for this kind of love. To be not just told that they're, lo that they're loved, but shown that they're loved. Over spring break, uh, we, my family and I went to the Indianapolis Art Museum, and we were seeing the artwork face-to-face -face and experiencing it. I, I, I could spend all day there. I just love it. But I realized, you know, this is different than just having somebody explain this piece of artwork to me. Seeing it face-to-face, -face, experiencing the artwork was something much deeper and loving others is like that. So God, who once revealed himself in his son, 
now reveals himself in his people when they love one another. And verse 17, I feel like it just keeps getting more and more amazing as we go on through, through this verse. It says, this is how love is made complete among us. So when we love others, we're actually completing something, something that was unfinished, which is mind-blowing to me. You can kind of compare it to electricity. Um, recently, our dryer broke, and friends, I think it was a maybe a little late Christmas miracle, Ben and I actually fi fixed our dryer by ourselves. If you know us, this is, this is truly a feat. But we realized uh, the timer was broken in our dryer, and the electrical connection uh, wasn't complete because that timer was broken. So the circuit wasn't there. It wasn't completed. The electricity was still there and available, but our dryer wasn't working in the way that it was created to. Friends, we, we are never more complete than, and like God. We're never more complete and like God than when we love, just like electricity. His love for us is perfected when we reproduce it to the world. And verse 18 says, this perfect love drives out fear. See, to fear is to begin to suffer punishment already. It's this anticipation of evil. It's, it's this notion that somewhere God will run out. Somewhere God's love is going to end and I'm going to be alone. And that fear lives within us by nature. And it says here that it needs to be driven out. So this verse is saying the love that spells confidence banishes fear. There's no room for it. It dissipates, it evaporates, it vanishes, it melts away in the presence of love. They're incompatible, like oil and water. So once reassured that we are like him, God's beloved children, we cease to be afraid. When we're upheld, surrounded, and enfolded by such love, who could be afraid? Friends, the good news today is that we are invited into that love, that we are empowered into that love. We are empowered to participate in that love, which then brings God love, God's love to perfect completeness and drives out every trace of fear. I am working this out hourly, daily, minute by minute. <laughs> Nothing shows my struggle more than at the end of the day when it's time to tuck in my kids. It's a struggle for me, especially when Ben's been gone. <laughs> I've heard it said before that nothing will bring you faster to the realization of your own inability to love than two things, marriage and having kids. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah, for, for a long time in, in these struggles to love, I. I feel like there's been this cycle, you know, I, I fail or I struggle and try harder, fail more, give up, feel guilty, try harder again. <laughs> it just kind of goes on and on and on. It's this struggle to love. But we are all beginners. We're all starting anew every day. We're all failing anew every day. It seems like God gave us a command that 
we couldn't obey, that's impossible. But perhaps that's because we would have to now depend on the Holy Spirit who's been given to each one of us. See, loving as imperfect human beings keeps us in that utter reliance on God's mercy and goodness and compassion. We can never fully succeed by ourselves, but only by living in love, in that connection, in that communion, in that abiding, can we love. God in us and we in God. And the beautiful thing is that the possibility of love is always right in front of us. It's always concrete. We can love God in what is right in front of us. And as our freedom expands and we participate with God, we're able to love in greater and greater circles. Until we can finally do what Jesus did, we can love and forgive even our enemies, just like Eva. The gospel is bad news to those who are super confident in their ability to love, but it is great news to those of us who are struggling to love. It's great news. So what does this bring up for you? Do you struggle to love? And what area of your life do you struggle? What area is it consistently hard to live in love? Is it with your friends, your teacher, your kids, your spouse, that annoying kid in the project that you're working on that seems to know everything but doesn't want to help out? (laughs) Maybe it's your brother, sister. I want to invite us into a time of reflection of that. Um, And in your booklets, if you want to grab them, I just want to give us an opportunity to respond, to acknowledge that we struggle. In here we talk about how uh, God is so real that he most fully meets us where we really are. So this is a time for us to name those places and to stand with each other. So the prayer for today is, God, you show us what love looks like in your Son, and your love is made complete in us as we love one another. Empower me by your Holy Spirit to live in love with, and then you can fill in the blank with whatever comes to mind for you. And then say, Lord, in your mercy, and we will agree with you, stand with you, and say, hear our prayer.